This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Friday's edition of the Orange and Brown Report. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to be discussing and going through a fun exercise that we have been doing. If you have been listening to this podcast recently, the redraftable episodes of the Browns' disastrous drafts since 1999. And let me tell you, folks, having done everything through 2004, it's been miserable, as I remember, and it's not fun. It's uh, pretty depressing to look at the players they could have had at the spots they selected. A little bit of a flawed exercise because we're not redrafting for every team. We're just looking at players that the Browns could have selected based on who was available at that pick. So that's your reminder of how this thing works. So if the Browns pick six, they can't take anyone selected in the first five. If you're drafting their second round pick, you can't take anybody who was selected in the draft ahead of that pick. So anyone else after that, um, after the pick, is free game. And we use pro football, I use, I should say, pro football reference is just a, a nice little uh, follow along and, and a place to look at all the picks and how their careers weighted out and, you know, who led in what categories and whatnot. So we have a fun guest, Mr. Brent Sobolewski will be on here momentarily before we go to Brent and start talking about this draft. I want to thank proud sponsors, betonline.ag, uh, for the great work they do with us at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And make sure you're going there as gambling is becoming a thing you can actually do now with a variety of different sports we saw some actual basketball over the past few days baseball opening days are happening as we speak uh, over the last few days and uh, it's pretty exciting stuff that we get to watch some live sports again so go to betonline.ag use the promo code bluewire that's all one word get the welcome bonus start making some money betonline your online wagering experts so let's talk 2005 draft before we welcome in sobo we're going to talk about some trades that went down before this draft. Uh, Gerard Warren, who was selected a few years before, was traded off to uh, to Denver for the their 2005 fourth-round pick, so they got that in return. They traded that fourth-round pick to the Seahawks for a quarterback named Trent Dilfer, who would be their quarterback for the upcoming season. Then they traded off Luke McCown, who was a pretty terrible pick, 2004, to the Buccaneers for a sixth-round pick. And um, Andre Davis was sent to the Patriots, Melvin Fowler to the Vikings. Nothing crazy notable other than they finally cut ties with Gerard Warren and, uh, and got Trent Dilfer, who was, 
yeah, they actually started him at quarterback. So um, talking about the picks real quick, Braylon Edwards is your pick at number three overall. I should say the Browns are coming off a 4-12 and season in 2004, heading into this 2005 draft, a season in which Butch Davis was fired. And in the offseason after Terry Rubisky was the interim head coach, Romeo Cornell takes over, and uh, they had the third pick. So, yes, Braylon Edwards, wide receiver out of Michigan, started his career hot and uh, had a great early campaign. Uh, let me check here. I just want to make sure I don't say the wrong fact here. Uh, he had 512 out the gate, but then jumped in the 800s, 884. And then by his third year was when he had his breakout season in 2007 season. We all remember where he went for 1289, 16 touchdowns, 80 catches. Drops plagued him. He bounced around after his rookie contract. Ended up in New York after a trade. And uh, the, the, the Jets in San Francisco and then back to the Jets in Seattle. So um, considering who was there... Uh, who could have been selected. Pretty disappointing, but at least they got some production out of Braylon. Brodney Poole is a second-round pick out of Oklahoma. Safety, I mean, okay, an okay player. Uh, had, had a couple decent seasons in his Cleveland tenure. Uh, he ends up starting four seasons, according to this metric. Of a solid starter for four years. Uh, Charlie Fry is your third-round pick, one of the names, the infamous names on the quarterback jersey out of Akron. Uh, and then the next, I don't know, the next five picks do really nothing in the NFL. Antonio Perkins at pick 103, which is the last of the first four picks we will re-pick. Defensive back out of Oklahoma plays six games in the league. David McMillan plays 29 games in the league, a defensive end out of Kansas. Um, none of these guys were considered starters at any point in their career. Nick Spiegel, the linebacker out of New Mexico, and uh, only plays 16 games. And then the final two picks in round six and seven out of Virginia and Virginia Tech, respectively. Andrew Hoffman, the D-tackle. And then, as is very trendy with the Browns' return picks coming back into the league, they spend an, a, a pick over pick 150 on a, on a random offensive lineman who never never contributed. John Dunn, pick 217, Virginia Tech never played it down in the NFL. So, um, yeah, Sobo, we're going to welcome you in, man. What uh, When I asked you to do this 2005 redraft this morning, uh, well, I guess we're recording this a couple days before, so, you know, whatever. Time is flat circle. Um, what, what do you what do you remember? What what kind of came back rushing back about the 2005 draft for you? Well, I'm still heartbroken to this day that the Cleveland Browns did not and weren't capable of acquiring Robert Gallery from Iowa. I know it was a year earlier, but old school callback for Browns fans and the OBR. We all remember those days. They were a lot of fun. I also want to point out. For those who were in the, the forums at that time, you missed a major a major change at a position that you, you didn't mention, Jake. 2004 was the last year Chad Mustard was still on the roster. He was not with the team by 2005, so all hopes of Mustard running wild after his short stint with the Omaha Beef into the Cleveland Browns are, went out the window, and that was so unfortunate. He was a fan favorite. Um <laughs> Also, I, I don't know if you mentioned it. I, maybe I missed it. Uh, they also traded for Ruben Drones that offseason. They so did. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. Yeah. That, that, that actually has significant factors into what we'll be doing. But what I wanted to ask before we go any further, because you know I'm, I'm not a hindsight guy. I've, I've covered every draft in some form or fashion since 2004. And when I sat down to do this earlier, I decided to put two lists together, two groups of picks, as in – who should have been the picks with 100% hindsight and who I thought should be the picks at the time. And the, the, it was very difficult to differentiate. So before we go any further, can you clarify for me which 
take I need to go toward as we do this, uh, go through this, uh, this year's the 2005 draft class. Excuse me. You can we can go through them both. It doesn't. It, it really is. Uh, I think as somebody like yourself who was studying this this stuff, it, it really really care. I mean, I was I was only a sophomore in high school. I, I used to really love this stuff, but I didn't I didn't really scout guys or anything crazy like that in terms of spend any time. I was so busy with high school life. I didn't spend any time with it, so I don't have in my mind at that time. I didn't have it. They should take this guy at this spot. So if you want to go through that, as you recall, uh, let's do it. And we will, you know, you can you can list the guy that in an ideal world, such as this exercise is, we uh, we we should say they they should have should have selected. So we'll we'll start with pick three in the first round. So off the board and ineligible to be selected, Ronnie Brown, who was the second pick to the Dolphins, running back out of Auburn, and. Um, Alex Smith, first pick, Utah quarterback, is uh, is off the board. I think, and for this exercise for me, um, you know, the Browns were never really solid at quarterback, and I know it's a ton of twenty twenty hindsight that goes on here. But uh, you know, he was at the draft; he thought he might go number one. I mean, you, you just you, you you take Aaron Rodgers, man. One hundred percent, and that's it's it's easy choice. I mean. I remember the conversations in the OBR forums at that time, and Rodgers was under legitimate uh, consideration by the fans. I'm not going to downplay that factor. Look, he ended up being the 24th overall pick. It's not hindsight to say that he was a top 10 talent. He was considered by most an elite quarterback, and there was a very legitimate conversation at that time whether he would go number one overall or would it be Alex Smith. It just became a series of circumstances of the way the picks fell and what teams had done that previous offseason as to why he fell as far as he did and eventually landed with the Green Bay Packers. But the talent was absolutely there. The two question marks in reality were his overall mechanics. If you remember, the way Jeff Tepford taught him at Cal is especially where how high he held the ball up by his ear hole mm-hmm. and having to flop it and come back through, which was eventually corrected in, at the professional level. And the other being – and, Jake, I know we're so far away from, removed from this conversation now, but, boy, it raged back then. He was a product of a spread system, and it did <laughs> not translate to the NFL. These were the two things that were the biggest question marks regarding Aaron Rodgers at that time. But I will reiterate, he was a top ten talent. I myself had him in the top ten. So putting him at number three is not a stretch by any imagination. He would have been the logical choice looking at it back at it in hindsight in this exercise. Now, I will say this, and, I, you know, the reason I asked you the way we were going to approach this is because I was hoping you were going to save me some, from some embarrassment. Because <laughs> Lord knows, the, even though I did like Rodgers that much, I probably would not have selected him number three overall because back then – it was before we reached the Enlightenment era of, of professional football, and we still all highly valued running backs and how they could dictate your offense. And so when I looked at where the Browns said, I was a big fan of Cedric Benson. Now, Cedric Benson went on to have a solid career, three 1,000-yard compa- campaigns, a guy that could have stepped in. But this, to me, dates back to when they passed on guys like Ricky Williams. They passed on guys like... Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson and Deuce McAllister, all who I, I really liked as players, and I thought that they could add to the Browns roster to get that workhorse and take pressure off everyone else. Didn't happen in any of those instances. And so that's the way I was thinking back then. But obviously, in, in retrospect, it's 100% Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, a ton of fun running back names. We mentioned Ronnie Brown with his college, you know, Bash brother Cadillac Williams is in this draft class, who goes fifth. Two, it's still crazy to think two running backs go top five from the same school um, in retrospect like that. Kind of neat. Cedric Benson went fourth, like you said. And uh, Brandon Jacobs in this class. Darren Sproles in this class will be eligible later should we should we go down that route. But, yeah, fun, fun running back class. So the next pick is pick 34. Um, where again they took they took Brodney Poole. Some some really good players came off the board. Obviously, uh, Derek Johnson, Thomas Davis, Jamal Brown, the tackle, Sean Merriman, Demarcus Ware, dominant pass you know pass rushers. Uh, Antro rules off the board. Pac-Man Jones pick six. Man, what an interesting career that guy had. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I'm gonna let you. Go ahead. It was it was productive. He was a good player when he was actually on the field. Yeah, when he was when his head was right. I'm gonna let you take the reins first on this pick. So pick thirty four, who you taking? Okay, first of all, we're not taking Broadney Poole, and we all understand that. Yes. <laughs> and uh this is something that he had the potential. Uh, obviously, he suffered from concussions once he got into the league, uh, kind of ruined his career, unfortunately, because he did flash at times. Looking at it in from hindsight point of view. Again, I put a lot of emphasis on running back at the time. And guess who came off the board at the end of round, what, beginning, excuse me, beginning of round three in this year, in this draft class, Frank Gore. Now, I understand going back to Miami, there was major question marks about his knees. I mean, he had numerous knee operations, but no one denied his talent. You just didn't know from a medical perspective how he hold up. Well, Jake, I think he's held up pretty damn well, my friend. Pretty damn well, considering he's still playing to this day. So it'd be hard not to go with yet another Hall of Famer when you start with Aaron Rodgers and Frank Gore. And there's actually some other interesting choices out there for you, uh, but I think Gore to me makes the most sense just because of who he is and what he would have provided. 15,347 rushing yards, Frank Gore. What a career, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're gonna. Th- I'm gonna pick who you think I was gonna pick. Uh, I I picked. Uh, I went offensive line. I just I just feel like the Browns ignored it, and when they did take people like Jeff Fain, it just it hadn't worked out, and they had hit zero. Really, they had hit on zero effective 99 through 04 offensive linemen. So I felt a little bit of need to 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 pick a player that had a good offensive line career at the at a, at a, at a relatively premium position right I, I picked Michael Ruse the tackle played for Tennessee he was the 41st pick nine years as a consistent starter out of eastern Washington had a pro bowl and all pro season in his career look it's probably not a very popular pick but I just think that they need they needed consistent offensive line play and uh you know I think he's he was good enough I mean there were guys I certainly considered at that pick that you know I could get later but I, I really, the only other guy I'll tell you this over that I really considered here was was Lofa Tatupu, right? Yeah. Linebacker, uh, USC linebacker picked by Seattle was an All Pro and he had an All Pro and three Pro Bowls and he was pre- pretty productive when his uh, when he was healthy. So, but yeah, I went I went tackle there and uh, you know I don't I don't feel too bad about it. Some guys I really other guys I really liked uh, tackle wise were already taken. Um, but yeah, that's where I went, man. Probably a reach, but sure. hey. No, it's not a reach at all. Fun fact, by the way, the red field at Eastern Washington is Michael Roos's field. That it's named after him. So, I did not know that. Yeah, That's so Kuda, well, he paid for that that AstroTurf. Not to mention, he's the best player, 
not named Cooper Cup to come out of Eastern Washington. And then looking at it, to your point, if I was going back to what I the players I actually liked a ton at the time, it wouldn't have been Frank Gore because the injuries you just don't know, and I don't play a doctor. And, and to this day, I play it safe when it comes to medical evaluations simply because we don't have access to all that information. No matter how, now how buried deep you are as an insider, you will never, ever get all the inside information when it comes to medicals, especially at the combine. But the guy I loved uh, at that time, was Khalif Barnes coming out of Washington, one of the mm. most aggressive physical tackles with some potential uh, flexibility within uh, to play guard. And he, he went on started multiple games for Jacksonville and stuff, never had a standout career or anything like that. But he was a player that I personally liked quite a bit at that time. I like it. That would have been – it's completely understandable um, based on based on some of those traits. I, I, I went a little defensive line heavy as we keep going, so – I, if if uh, if if Frank Gore was there at pick sixty seven, I probably would have went that route. He went pick sixty five um, to uh, to San Francisco, so he was gone. So with uh, pick sixty seven, I ended up going with Jay Ratliff, uh, the nose tackle out of Auburn, uh, was where I ended up going. Nice career. Uh, I think he made an All Pro. I I could be wrong. He yeah he made one All Pro season. Four Pro Bowls, 35 sacks, 195 tackles. Uh, he had uh, he was a seventh-round pick, pick 224. Could have probably gotten him a little later if I wanted to cheat the system. But, yeah, 2009 he was uh, was an all-pro player playing in 16 games. Four, four fumble recoveries. So, like I said, six sacks, 40 total tackles. Pretty good, pretty high volume of, uh, of quarterback hits and, and all that fun stuff. 11 tackles for loss. So, yeah. Highly respected, and uh, probably could have gotten a little later, but I think I got another lineman later that I'll feel pretty good about too. So, who you got? Uh, I went defensive line as well, but a, def- a different defensive lineman. I went with Justin Tuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for those who remember the famous NASCAR front that was on the New York Giants Super Bowl teams, uh, Tuck was a very influential part of that process, along with Michael Strahan, obviously, when you had the four defensive ends on the field. I consistently got after Tom Brady, and they were very good at it. Two-time Pro Bowler, a guy that was a two-time Super Bowl champion, and his ability to consistently rush the edge is something Cleveland lacked. Plus, he had the flexibility to move inside and outside. The difference with Tuck and why he would be a good pick for Cleveland is, if you remember, going from 2004 to five. and by the way, I love the all these mentions of these names that have been emblazoned in my head for <laughs> over a decade now. They had – they had lost Ebenezer Ecubon. That was the drones and, trade, right? Yes. I, and so yeah. they they still retained Kennard Lang, who was the best defensive lineman on the team, arguably at that time. But you needed a bookend, and they didn't have one. And so when you had could get someone like Justin Tuck, he had that potential. Now I will say this: we had we were mentioning mentioning about we're doing both angles for me and, and how I was looking at that. I mentioned Khalif Barnes in the last round because I put a huge emphasis on the offensive line, as you did, Jake. Um, but I didn't necessarily have him as the pick in the second round. I wrote down two names, and the other one was Matt Roth coming out of Iowa. Now, I don't know if you remember Matt Roth, but he was a traditional base end coming out of uh, coming out of Iowa, played opposite Adrian Claiborne, big, physical, nasty dude. Actually played for Cleveland for a couple of years. I think he played seven years in total. So he was in my in my consideration as well there because I was looking at another offensive lineman later. Um, but I really look at Justin Tuck as being that guy. And if you went with an offensive lineman, one I liked in the third round at that time was Evan Mathis. Uh, Evan Mathis was 
highly athletic coming out of Alabama. One of the first guys you really saw that program that could pull, get out in space and consistently make blocks. And he ended up having a very successful career with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I think that this is where it gets fun because some of these guys who had their great careers are kind of hanging around, right? They, they're Some of them are still in the league. There's a few. Um, you know, if you're talking about sacks in this class that you went with, Justin Tuck, he ended up with 66 and a half sacks, third most in the class. And that's where I went with pick 103, the guy sandwiched between DeMarcus Ware and Justin Tuck. I went with Trent Cole, um, Cincinnati product, defensive end. Uh, pick he was he was a round five pick one forty six so he was still on the board ninety and a half career sacks four hundred sixty seven uh, tackles in the NFL played one hundred seventy six games on two time Pro Bowl not the peak that Justin Tuck had but just a good player for a long time and started as a a really nice part of Philadelphia's defense during some nice runs that they had so I, I feel pretty good about if you're able to come out with Trent Cole and Jay Ratliff here in the third and fourth rounds well let me say something real quick before we sure. get fully into the fourth round. Um, I I will admit fully that in this conversation I was an unabashed Charlie Fry supporter. Mm-hmm. Now you have to, you have to understand I spent a year and a half working with Akron's football staff, so I got to be around Charlie full time, seeing what he was like, knowing knowing in 2003 when he played at a near All American level, he was playing through a severe severe hip pointer that was actually bleeding into his hip throughout most of the season and he would not get surgery and he would have to continue to put take shots essentially and continue to play through that pain and just seeing what he did on a day-by-day basis he was my really my first exposure to being personally around a true nfl talent so I don't want to downplay that factor because everyone knows my history that's been around the OBR for a long time, and I, I will fully say that I was behind Charlie Fry getting an opportunity to start, and I thought at one point he looked like he could be the guy. I remember what was the performance against the Raiders earlier in his career where he looked exceptional, but it just didn't turn out. He played poorly to start against the Steelers. A year later, Derek Anderson enters the lineup, and the rest is history. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's let's play. Well, you haven't made your fourth round pick yet. Make make your fourth round pick. Excuse me. So, if we're going in hindsight, I'm sticking with defensive line as well. Um, you took Ratliff earlier. I'm looking at Chris Canty when I look nice. at the way he could come in. Now, imagine that body in what would have been Romeo Cornell's first season. Right? You're mm-hmm. talking about what was he? A six foot seven, three hundred three hundred fifteen to three hundred twenty pound defensive end. That ironically spent time doing that exact, doing playing that exact role to end his career with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, played from 2005, 2015, 11-year career, no Pro Bowls, but one of those guys that's just Mr. Consistency that you needed up front, and you didn't have, you didn't have that type of quality along the interior for Cleveland and uh, in, in Romeo's system to really set it up, and so. He was the guy that caught my eye there. And, yes, I didn't address technically offensive line in the redraft, which my younger self would come up and punch me in the face if that was the case. (laughs) You have to go with the best available, at least in my opinion. Um, You know, I I, I tried to squeeze into the fourth round who I really wanted at that time. And this one was really difficult because – you didn't have a lot that came off the board relatively there. You had Antonio Perkins, who a lot of people forget the reason he was at selection had nothing to do with him playing cornerback. He was the premier return 
man in college football at the time. At once he left college, he had the all-time NCAA record for Division One with in punt returns uh, touchdowns. So that's where his value really lied. But I mean, you, the, I look at guys like Brandon Jacobs there and Marion Barber. Um, we already discussed running backs earlier. Uh, Elton Brown was an interesting name at that time as an offensive lineman because uh, obviously you don't remember Jake, but he was a guy early in that process was considered a potential first, second-round pick. By the way, if you can ever go back to those early 2000 Virginia teams, if you love offensive line play, please do. Watch how they pull Elton Brown consistently. Watch what the Brickishaw Ferguson used to do. It used to be insane how athletic and mobile those guys were um, when when they – during that period, excuse me. Uh, so I, 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 really, I literally sat here for 20 minutes earlier today thinking to myself, who did I love at that time that fits within what we've already discussed? And I, I didn't have anyone. I, I will say this. I love Darren Sproles. I absolutely love Darren Sproles. Yeah. And, a, and a quick quick story there. 2005 was the first year I ever attended the Senior Bowl. That was the year Darren Sproles was down there. Obviously, everyone remembers DeMarcus Ware and what he did down down in Mobile that year. But here's a little insider tip. Now when you go to the Senior Bowl, the entire media conglomerate is allowed into weigh-ins and stuff like that. In the early 2000s, it was not like that. Now, granted, it wasn't run by the same people and different sponsors and yada, yada, yada. So we would have to sneak into, into the, the room the ballroom where they do all the weigh-ins and all the scouts are sitting in there. And we did it every year for multiple years until they finally opened it up to everyone. So I remember, I'll never, actually, I'll never forget this because it was so hilarious. So Darren Sproles is what, five foot six, maybe, Maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he comes strolling up and he is a powder keg, man. Anyone that's ever seen Darren Sproles, he is, he is built and he is thick, but he is very short well, they would have this strip of tape on the wall to measure out his exact height. He did not even reach the bottom of the tape. There was literally a couple hundred scouts sitting in a room while he's standing there against the wall in nothing but his skivvies laughing at him. It was the funniest yet most cringeworthy thing I think anyone could potentially endure. And they had to, and he had to stand there while the scouts that were on up, uh, you know, up on the stage, had to measure out a couple inches further down to make sure they got an accurate height. Man, so Ooh. from that point forward, I loved Darren Sproles and everything that he could do in the NFL. At least he got the last laugh because he had a hell of a career. Exactly. Um, okay, let's play. I'm going to do draft trivia with you. You got to promise I can never watch you here, but yeah, I promise you won't cheat. It's going to rattle off some facts and see if you can you can tell me anything about this class as best you can. Ready? I'm going to fail miserably. That's I'll okay. That's okay. Honesty is is the best policy here. We're just trying to have some fun. So, okay, who led this class in receiving yards? Oh, can I at least look at wide receivers? Because I don't even know all the wide receivers that are in here. I I'll give you a hint. He was drafted by the Falcons. By the Falcons in 2005? Oh, my God. You're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. We can hear your mouse click, so don't cheat. I'm trying to just think. Oh, I, I had to look it up because I had no, I couldn't remember. It's Roddy White. It is Roddy White. Vincent Jackson is the second most in the class with uh, 9,080 yards. Vincent, or sorry, Roddy topped it with 10,863. Heath Miller, your third most productive pass catcher in this class. Uh, Pittsburgh's 
pick at the 30th pick in the first round, 6,569.45 touchdowns. Braylon, actually the third most productive yards and touchdown guy in this class. So, you know, could have been a worse. Could be that New York essence. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the New York essence. All right. You know what's funny, Jake, as as we go to this, and I know you're going to grill me and I'm not going to get any of them. I study this stuff year-round every year, but once I get out into, like, early May, I am so exhausted oh, from NFL draft stuff that I, I, like, completely decompress and file everything away and like just completely lose it afterwards. That's the sad part about it because once you get a week or two off, it's right back into the grind again, man. It's a... Uh... It's it's just there's so many names there's so many names there's so many facts to remember it's it's way it's way more grueling than people think it is, so okay a couple more these are fun so Aaron, Aaron fun for you. well yeah fun fun, fun for me no, no one's judging hell people probably aren't even listening at this point anymore no big deal so okay Aaron Rodgers leads the class all of the quarterback statistics and uh, that's not a secret who is actually the second most touchdown passes in this class. I would immediately go to Alex Smith because he had a very successful career. Logical thought. He had the second most passing yards at Alex Smith. Second in total touchdowns, 210 touchdowns, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Seventh round pick. Seventh round pick. Pick pick 250 out of Harvard. He's up to 210. He's he's got a chance. If Alex Smith, you know, Alex is trying to come back from that gruesome leg injury, If if uh, if he doesn't play a ton more, I mean... Ryan Fitzpatrick might end up passing him in total yards. So he's only a couple. Actually, he's only about twelve hundred yards behind him. So, um, side note, side note. Have oh, yeah. you seen the thing on on Alex Smith uh, about his recovery? It's amazing stuff, man. Because I, I did oh, not know that leg God. was that bad. Yeah. Oh my, and gruesome. I mean, you got to. <laughs> I I'll just leave it at that. If no yeah. one's watching, please do to see what he's overcome. It's amazing. It's quite a dude, man. Um, Okay, pick six, round six, pick 213, Baltimore Ravens, select a quarterback. Who is that quarterback? It's the last one. Actually, I got one oh. more after this one. So round six, pick 213. Oh, oh, oh. That's Derek Anderson. There it is, right? The Baltimore thing's the tricky part. And then um, round five, pick 145, quarterback, pretty famous quarterback, only throws 3,000 yards, uh, 15 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Yeah, let's see if you can figure this one out. If you get this one right, major props. This is the last one. Okay. So he goes to Detroit, plays, only has really labeled as a starter for one year. His last year was 2015. Uh, pretty much career backup, obviously. 3,132 yards, 15 touchdowns, 13 picks. Is a pretty popular guy these days. Oh, I want to say Jesse Palmer, but that can't be right. Dan Orlovsky. He's taking over. Oh, the Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. You should have said he ran out of the back of the end. <laughs> I would have had it. I couldn't give that away. That's too easy. All right, let me check real quick if there's anything fun rushing-wise that we should uh, – uh, I actually – when I was with Akron, we played UConn that year, and he was – he brought, brought them back to victory against us, and I realized he was a pretty talented dude. Really yeah, talented. Definitely. And the funny part was, I just remember being up there scouting him pregame, and I looked next to the plexiglass on the opposite side of where I was standing as I was pregame scouting, and standing next to me was Neil O'Donnell. And I'm oh like, God. what the hell is Neil O'Donnell doing in Storage, Connecticut? <laughs> Neil O'Donnell, man, you never forget that face. Um, okay, last one. This is this is this is uh, kind of tricky, but kind of not. Running backs. Second, so we all know the, the the famous names, Cadillac, Darren Sproles, Cedric Benson, Ronnie Brown, Marion Barber, Frank Gore. Uh, 
Frank Gore leads the class in everything that matters. 79 touchdowns, Frank Gore. Who's second in the class with 60 career rushing touchdowns? Fourth round pick, fourth round pick, pick 110. I was waiting for you to ask him a Maurice correct question, but that apparently, <laughs> which is unfortunate because I'll, I'll give you to college, Southern Illinois. Oh, Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs, nice career. Uh, you know what? Yeah, this is another one I'll eat crow. I remember watching Brandon Jacobs and like I'll, he'll never be successful in the NFL. He can't corner everything straight downhill. That's all he can do. Well, I get, it worked for him. Fifteen touchdown season in two thousand eight. Nice it's a big boy trying to tackle, boy. dude. Big boy, six six four, two sixty five. Man, this is fun, brother. Hey, man, this is uh, these are these are good. And we'll have you on for another one maybe next week, like two thousand ten area. We'll see how many of these we get through. Actually, it'll probably be like two thousand eight. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we get with how many of these we get done. So, anything to plug, my friend, before we go? Well, no. Now I'm going to make sure I study 2008 to make sure I have answers, <laughs> and I want to know now if Stephen had better did better than I did in these in these pop quiz questions. You're the first one. You're the inaugural one that I've had anybody answer questions because I figure you're, you're you have the bevy of knowledge. So I, no, I will... man. I'm getting old. I turned 40. This day. I don't remember all this stuff, man. As much as I would love to say I do, but I don't have an eidetic memory. It's fun. It's fun to talk about these players that we forget, man, and especially fun because you, 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 you know, I have a memory of studying some of these guys, and as we even get closer to, uh, you know, modern day drafts, the, the, the most recent drafts, it'll get even more fun because more and more names will be recognizable. So good stuff, Soba. I appreciate your time, my friend. No, thank you for having me. Always, Jake, and talk to everyone next week. All right, guys, big shout-out to Sobo for joining us, taking time. Hopefully you all have had a safe week and uh, can have a safe weekend. Keep wearing those masks as it is a mandate in Ohio now. Um, you know, protect the people around you, protect your family, protect uh, protect whoever you can, right? Do the right thing. So hopefully you all are, are taking that stuff pretty serious. And when, if we can take it serious now, we can maybe get some football here in the next month or two. So uh, check out the OBR and join us. If you have not joined us, this is the perfect time to join us at the OBR. Get in there, uh, you know, get the, get the premium forum stuff that we have going heading into the season. It should be a fun season, and it'll be a season where we're all at home anyway for the most part. So, you know, the banter that we could all have back and forth talking about this season. Might do some, uh, some, some community film room study. That would be fun. We could, do, we could break down film together and talk through some things. Just an idea. Let it spin. So, again, and make sure you uh, also review this on iTunes and Spotify and all that fun stuff, too. We'll, uh, we'll always appreciate that. So, again, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Until next time, go Browns.